Hey, Inspire Church, how are you? I'm so glad you're joining us for the Word of God this evening. I pray that it will be instructive and helpful, that it will be a blessing to you, that it will be encouraging to you. I pray that you're really doing well and that you and your family right now are blessed. How are you really doing? I want you to know that you've been in my heart and I've been praying for you. I pray for you every single day. I pray for the needs that you send into the church. And it helps us to stay connected, to know that God is working in your life. Well, we can't very well have church in the building anymore because of the limit that you can only have 10 persons meeting at one time in any facility. That's not true about everywhere. And people have observed that some of the grocery stores and Home Depot sure have a lot more people in them than that. And because of that, one church joked and said, since 500 people can be in Home Depot at any one time, today's service is going to be held in plumbing. Amen. Well, we can't go to Home Depot and have church service, but we can do it online. And if you've just joined us and you're our guest today and you've never been with us in service before, we welcome you as well. Well, we're really glad that you're here. Recently, I spoke about how to build a meaningful personal altar. Now, you might wonder why it's necessary to talk about something like this in the day and age when we have such great churches, incredible buildings, great lighting systems, awesome sound. We have musicians that are second to none and incredible worship leaders. You might wonder. With all of that going on and great speakers and pastors who can give us a rich word of God every time they come to their platform, why do I need to even have someone address the idea that I have to build a personal altar? I'll tell you why. It's because with all of these things going on, what happens with a normal believer is that our experience with God peaks on Sunday. We come and we're overwhelmed in the presence of God, swept away by the worship, carried up by the singing and by the music and then the prayer and the word of God hits us right in our hearts. And we connect with God in a way that is very, very meaningful. But what happens, unfortunately, if you don't have a personal altar, is that starting on Monday morning, you go into decline. And all that week, it tapers off until your experience with God bottoms out on Saturday. And then you come back to church, and it peaks again. What we're doing, in essence, is we're actually hitchhiking on everyone's else, everyone else's anointing and everyone else's connection with God. That's okay in service because there have been times that I've needed to do exactly that. If you live very long in this world that is so broken and fallen, sometimes you just need to be in the presence of the people of God so that their worship can empower you. I've been there. I'm kind of like David. I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. There have been times I've needed to be in the presence of God. But unfortunately... Many of us have learned to not have a strong personal daily altar. So today, I want to help you a little bit more with that idea. And I want to speak from this subject, praying prayers that God will surely answer. 
The reason for that is, as I pointed out when I was talking about building a strong devotional altar, is that prayer is one of the key components in building that altar and making it effective. Prayer has the remarkable ability to powerfully impact situations in your life. At times, we all find ourselves not just wanting to pray, we literally find ourselves needing to pray. We're at such a time right now in our nation. Many of our families are at such a point in their lives as well. The church needs God to intervene in this crisis that we're in. But I'll add another step to that or another dimension to it, as it were. The church itself needs to get a hold of God just for us. What this crisis has called attention to is exactly what I just spoke about a few moments ago. The lack of personal devotional altars on the part of believers. Our nation needs to call on God. We need God to heal our land. And if we're expecting those who don't know God to pray that kind of prayer of healing for our nation, I think that we're looking to the wrong source. If anyone ought to pray, it's the people of God. If we pray, he will heal this nation. He can cure the health problems. And he can heal our economy. You see, there are times, and every believer learns this, that we need the help of a power that is greater than our own. And that's why we pray. We don't pray to a God that's at our level. We pray to a God that is higher than we are. The truth is, however, that when we've prayed, many of us will acknowledge this to be the case. We've all prayed prayers that we didn't get very far with. They didn't seem to get answered. Truthfully, we even wonder if they were heard. A recent survey revealed that 2% of believers rated their prayer life as satisfactory and fulfilling. Did you hear that? Only 2%. Or let me state it another way. 98% of believers do not feel that their prayer life is impactful. Not only that. Another survey revealed that only 14% of believers actually read the Bible every day. 14%. Now, let me flip that one around, too. That means 86% of believers do not read their Bible every day. Notice that when I said that we've all prayed prayers, that it seemed like God didn't hear. That I said it seemed like God didn't hear them. The truth is he did. Of course, God hears everything we will ever say. He's omniscient. He knows what we're going to say before we ever say it. He's omnipresent. He's right there listening to the prayer that we pray. And why is it that so many of our prayers are ineffective? There are reasons for that. You see, sometimes God says yes right away. And other times he says, yes, but let's wait a little while. And then sometimes he just simply says, no. You see, timing is important when God is going to say yes. We want everything right now. But if you've lived for the Lord any length of time, I know that you have discovered what I have. And that is God is never late. He's always right on time. It might not be our timing that God is looking at. But he has a divine clock on the wall, a calendar where he calibrates everything to perfection in your life and in mine. And God 
is going to show up when you really need him to. And when he does, he will be right on time. There are reasons sometimes that God doesn't answer prayer. It could be there's sin in our own hearts and lives that we have not surrendered to God. It doesn't mean you have to be perfect to get a prayer answered simply because there's no one there is no one who is perfect. You don't know anybody that's perfect. In this world, there was only one who ever was perfect, and that's the Lord. And the enemy loves to beat people up by telling them it's their imperfections that keep God from responding to their prayer. But I've learned the power of living my life under the blood of Jesus. Does that mean that I never make mistakes? Oh, more than I want to admit Maybe a lot more than many of you. But I've learned that I can live my life under the blood of Christ. I am forgiven. He imputes his righteousness to me. He's taken away my sin and nailed it to the cross and forgiven me. And so don't let that be a stumbling block in your life. If there are things in your life that you know that are there that shouldn't be, Just simply say, Lord Jesus, I come to you and I need your help. Help me to overcome. Let your grace work in my life. Forgive me of the things that I'm struggling with. Because, Lord, I realize I need your help. And I'm not perfect. But I do serve a perfect God. And I praise you because of your grace. And then you bring your need and your request to the Lord. One of the most important things that we can do when we pray that I think will ensure that our prayers are answered is to learn to pray prayers that are consistent with his divine will. Obviously, we don't want God answering prayers that are not consistent with his will. There's this one passage of scripture that has always challenged me. And it's about Israel being in the desert, in the wilderness, as they were going from Egypt into the promised land. And they began to, the Bible says, lust for flesh. They wanted food of a certain kind. They said, we're weary with this manna, this angel's food. We're tired of the provision of God. And at that point, God, the Bible says, sent them their request, but gave them leanness to their souls. Whoa, that's heavy duty. I'm giving God permission right now that any prayer that I pray that is going to result in my harm, God, you have my permission to say no. You don't need my permission, but you've got it anyway. I don't want leanness in my soul because I prayed An unwise prayer. I don't want my family to suffer because I prayed for things that I shouldn't have. And here's why this is so critical. You see, God lives in tomorrow before tomorrow ever gets here. Beloved, that's amazing. You remember that when the Syrophoenician woman came to Jesus, she was Syrophoenician. She was Syrian Phoenician. Phoenician is the word for the Philistines. It's the same word, the same people. And both of these people were, were people that were heavy into idolatry. And so there is no doubt that her daughter was afflicted and tormented of this demonic spirit because somewhere in the past, generational curses had been brought upon this family by doors that had been opened by her ancestors. 
This child was experiencing the direct result of decisions made by her forebearers. And now she's tormented and this mother is grieving and Jesus ignores her. And you know the story. He finally says it's not appropriate to take the children's bread and give it to dogs. And, but she wisely said, yes, Lord, but even the dogs eat of the crumbs which fall from the children's table. And do you know what Jesus did? He stopped at that very moment and he did something extraordinary. You see, she was a Gentile, and she was really far from Christ in terms of the religious practices of her people. And it would be 10 years at least before the outpouring of the Holy Spirit in the household of Cornelius in Acts chapter 10. And Cornelius was a Gentile. But do you know what happened? Jesus reached forward those 10 years, got her miracle, brought it back into that current and present setting, met her need at that moment, and supplied deliverance to her daughter that was grievously tormented of that demonic spirit. And she got home and found that her prayer had been answered. You see, he can do that as God in flesh. Our God can literally span the expanse of the dimensions of time from past to present to future all in one moment. And when we pray according to his will, what we're doing is giving him permission in the future to see what is best for us and not allow our present choices and decisions and the request we make to cause us to stumble tomorrow. Because you see, I can't see into the future. And what I could easily end up doing is saying, Lord, this is best for me. And at that moment, it could appear to be the case. But then how's that going to look three weeks from now, three months, three years? And so I've learned to put my future into the hands of God. We want to pray prayers, therefore, that are consistent with his will. First John chapter 5, verse 14 through 15, this remarkable verse says, Now this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Did you hear that, beloved? Did you notice that? And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions that we have asked of him. That's amazing that if we ask anything according to his will, we know that he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, then we know that we have those petitions that we have just asked. When we pray according to the will of God, it builds our faith, doesn't it? That is because when we pray according to his will we know that we're praying for the perfect plan of God in our lives and that's important because everything in the kingdom of God is realized by faith it is appropriated by faith it is even released from heaven by faith and so praying his will builds your faith because you know you're praying according to his divine plan for you and your family. But more than that, it also causes the release of the very things that you're seeking God for. Jesus told the lepers, he told the blind, he told so many in the Bible that it would be done unto them 
according to their faith. And that's why you can't allow fear and doubt to grip your hearts. Because fear is the exact opposite of faith. It's unbelief. And if you will fight for your faith, your faith will end up fighting for you. That's what's amazing. If you will fight for your faith, your faith will turn around and fight for you. So when you pray the will of God, there is going to be a response from heaven that is positive. There can't help but be. You say, well, how in the world can I, being a mortal human being, know and discern the will of God so that I can pray the will of God for me and my family? Pastor, you just said that he spans the broad expanses of all three dimensions of time from past to present to future. I don't. I lived in the past. I am present right now in today, but tomorrow has not arrived. I don't know what God's will will be for me tomorrow, but stop and think about it. You really do. It's found right here in the word of God. And if you will learn to pray the word of God, you're praying the perfect will of God for your life. That's why I love to pray the Bible. Love to pray the Bible. As long as I just read the Bible, it had one level of meaning to me. But when I learned to pray the scripture, wow, it came alive. And to my amazement, I found out this is what Jewish people, the people of the book, have done for many, many centuries. They pray the word of God. And so I'll give you an example of that because since I preached on this the other day, there have been a lot of people that are asking, Pastor, can you help me learn how to pray the word of God? Show me how to pray the passages of scripture. And so I'm turning in the Bible to Psalms chapter 91. It's a Psalm of David. And we're going to pray this together. And I enjoy using the Passion Translation more accurately. It's probably the Passion Interpretation. Because it interprets some words and phrases in modern English and vernacular that we can relate to. And, and it helps me to be able to pray without having to go back and use all of these old words like thee and thou that nobody uses anymore anyway. God doesn't need to hear that. That was spoken when King James authorized the translation of the Bible. That's not how people spoke in Jesus's day. That's not how people spoke in the Old Testament. But we've adopted that. And you go to many churches and you feel like if you haven't prayed that way, that God's not going to hear your prayer. Well, I want to tell you, leave all that aside. Let's make prayer very simple, very comfortable. Prayer is strictly communication with God. That's what prayer is. And whenever we read the word of God, and we're going to go to Psalms chapter 139, I want you to realize that the word of God is extraordinarily meaningful. You can read the word of God. And when you do, and you begin to pray it back to God, you will find out that it literally is going to add value to your prayer life in a way that you've never before experienced. I love the way that David communicates with God. And uh, the Psalms are one of my 
uh, very favorite places to read from the Word of God. And I find so much rich material there. You don't have to look very far in the Psalms until you find something that is applicable to where you are at in your life at that very moment. And rather, it's in the valley or rather it's on the mountaintop or rather it's in the middle of a storm or wherever you may be and whatever you may be going through, there's something there that will relate to you. And so the other day I read from Psalms chapter 139 and I got as far as verse number five where the psalmist said, you've gone into my future to prepare the way and in kindness you follow behind me to spare me from the harm of my past. With your hand of love upon me, you impart a blessing to me. And then he says, this is just too wonderful, too deep, and too incomprehensible. Your understanding of me brings me wonder and strength. And I want us to pray that right now. Lord, I'm so glad that you're not just with me today and tomorrow. But you are actually in my past as well. And the reason that that is so impactful to me is because much of what I am today is the result of what happened in my life yesterday. There's not a person out there that is listening to me that hasn't been wounded or broken. That's the human condition. We're a fallen race in a fallen world that has been ruled by a fallen Lord and is the enemy of the kingdom of God. But you rescued us, Lord. But many times when we come into the kingdom of God, we carry with us that old mindset of all those negative things and thoughts that led to loss and declension rather than thoughts that lead to elevation in life. And many of those thoughts come from the programming we received somewhere in our past. For some of us, we were not handsome enough. We were not beautiful enough. We were not smart enough. We were too fat, too skinny, too tall, too short. We were not popular or whatever the problem may have been. In my case, came from a broken home, as did many that are listening to this right now. I can understand the incredible impact that has on someone's life because I've lived through it, Lord. So you've gone into my future to prepare the way, but you're also sparing me from the harm of my past. And that's amazing. So you know what I ask you to do, Lord? I ask you today to work in my thoughts and in my thinking and in my attitude. It was to believers in the book of Romans chapter 12 that Paul said that we should not be conformed to this world, but that we should be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Or to say it another way, not be conned into forming the opinions of the world, the thought life of the world, but be transformed by the programming of the word of Almighty God. Fill my heart full, Lord. Teach me your ways. Let your thoughts be implanted in me. Because your thoughts are always positive. They always generate life. They always bring fulfillment. My thoughts oftentimes based upon what I've gone through during the course of my past has often been one of the the things that has harmed me the most. And I need you, Lord. 
I want you to impart a blessing to me. And when I consider this, that you, Lord, can do what nobody else can do, because for all of us, the past is a a sealed door. We can't get in the past. We can't go back there. We can't unlock the door that holds yesterday. We can't sort through all the things that happened and free them from our personal present day experience and leave them there, but you can. And so I'm asking you to do exactly that. For people who are listening to this message right now, heal them of the rejection they've experienced. Heal them of the pain they've lived through. Heal them of the woundedness and the low self-esteem. I know what you can do, Lord, because you did it for me. And when I think of this, it's just too wonderful and too deep and too incomprehensible for me to wrap my mind around. First of all, that you would even love me so much that you would be willing to do this for me. What a Savior. What a God. You're so amazing beyond words, Lord. How could I ever do anything else but give my heart and life to you and serve you? In Jesus' name. Beloved, that's not all. You don't have to just pray for things like I've just prayed for. Let's look at another passage of scriptures. Psalm 63 in verse 1. I'm going to jump around just a little bit as I close. Oh God of my life, I'm lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. Boy, when you begin to pray to God like that, he shows up. I'm talking about worship now. No, this is not the kind of church service where everybody gets excited and thrilled and You know, you're clapping your hands and lifting your voice to the Lord. No, what I'm talking about right now goes beyond praise and to worship. You see, there's a dimension beyond praise. And that's what I want to introduce you to in your devotional life. Oh, God of my life, I'm lovesick for you in this weary wilderness. You say, Pastor, why do I need to say words like that to God? I'll tell you why. Many of us grew up without hearing words of affirmation, especially guys. It's hard for us to use vocabulary like this, isn't it? I mean, we were raised many in many cases by people who might not have said words like this to us very often. And so this kind of language is strange to us. It's foreign. It's like speaking Greek or something. And so you can literally, as it were, Allow someone else's words, in this case, the word of Almighty God, to articulate the feelings you want to express, but that you're having trouble being able to say. And so just tell him that right now. Oh, God of my life, and you are the God of my life. Never known anyone like you. You're the best thing that's ever happened to me. Every experience of life that I've ever had, and there have been many fall way short, Lord, of even coming close to the joy that I know because I know you. I'm lovesick for you, Lord. In this weary land, today, 
I'm walking through challenges in places that might not be the best in life and they may be taxing and wearing but if I can have you Lord if you will show up in the middle of all of this you can turn a desert into a garden you did it for Israel the desert blossomed like a rose I ask you to do that for me as well today Lord because I thirst with you for you with the deepest longings to love you more I'm actually ashamed and wish that I could love you even more than I do now, Lord. I want to stretch my capacity and ability to love you with cravings in my heart that can't be described. Let your yearning grip my soul for you, my God. Let me be gripped with a divine hunger, a thirst that nothing else can satisfy. I'm energized every time I enter your heavenly sanctuary to seek more of your power and drink in more of your glory. And in these days, Lord, the heavenly sanctuary might not be the physical house of God. It just might be my prayer closet. But if that's where you are, it's transformative. It's impacting and I am energized. I find my strength coming from you, Lord. I find the abilities that I need to tackle the projects of life, the task of life. I find that strength, that power, when I am first in your presence. And so, Lord, I want to begin every day with you. I want to build a personal altar that is meaningful and devotional. An altar where I can meet with you regularly, every day, and worship you. My time is gone, but I want us to spend just a moment in worship before I pray. Would you worship with us right at home? you to bow your heads with me father first i pray for your children that you will grow their devotional life that you will make it rich and meaningful and impactful and that if there's one person that is watching this that doesn't know you let them discover the joy that there is in christ and come to know you and love you and if you just made that decision please contact the link on the bottom of the screen we want to hear about it i love you so much be blessed